With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. It's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos, 630 Chan. Thanks a lot for tuning in. All-Star break. The Oilers will practice Monday, but they don't play again until Thursday. When they host the Colorado Avalanche, 5.30 face-off show, 7 o'clock game start here on 6.30. Chet, that'll be Furnace Family Oilers Hockey. Edmonton's Furnace replacement experts call 7804-FAMILY or visit FurnaceFamily.com. We will have a hockey game on the weekend on Sunday afternoon. We'll broadcast the All-Star game starting at 1.30 featuring Connor McDavid playing for the Pacific Division. The good old three-on-three one of the uh, great moments in All-Star history a couple years ago. Scott puts Kane on his wallet. In on a breakaway. Save made by Rene. Cut off by Brent Burns and tucked a nice pass on to Scott. Scott pursued. The great Doc Emmerich from NBC with a couple calls. John Scott was quite the story that year, and he's continued to be the story since then. John Scott joins us now on Inside Sports. John, my name is Reed. How are you doing, sir? I'm doing doing good, Reed. Thank you for having me. Yeah, it's great to catch up with you. We got a lot to talk about, but I'm gonna I'm gonna go way back in your life, way way back, the first day of your life. Were you born in Edmonton, John? Yes, I was. I was born and I was raised in Edmonton for, I think, my first five years. Then uh, my dad got a job out east, so we moved out east, yeah. Uh, did you start skating in Edmonton then? Yeah, I started when I was three, four, five. Um, I don't know where I was skating, but yeah, I, I started skating there. and Yeah, so it all began in Edmonton. So you were born in 82, so that was a, a pretty good decade for hockey at Edmonton, but I imagine you were probably a little too, uh, little too young to latch onto the Oilers at that time, eh? No, my parents, they would tell me they used to party with the cup when it would go around downtown. My dad used to say, oh, I, used to, I drank from the cup at this place. And so, yeah, they, they were definitely a diehard oil, oil fan. And, yeah, I, I didn't catch that buzz. I was a Bruins fan growing up. Right. And how come you got into the Bruins? Um, I have no idea. I just liked the <laughs> logo, and I just stuck with it. I was a big Ray Bork fan and just kind of went with it, yeah. Yeah, well, I wasn't laughing at you there, but that makes a lot of sense because sometimes for a lot of little kids, it's like, I don't know, they like their colors, I like the uniform, right? right. So. It's simple back in the day. <laughs> There's not much to it. Yeah. Uh, John, I want, I want to talk to you about the All-Star game and all that kind of stuff, but you've been, uh, you've been doing some pretty interesting stuff uh, since you retired. Didn't you just do a little bit of acting? Can you fill us in on that opportunity and how it came about? Yeah, I was literally just out on a bike ride one day and someone called me up and they said hey do you want to do this tv show it's called swat they haven't aired it yet it's 
coming out this year and i said uh okay sounds good so they made me do like a little audition tape and they must have liked it the next thing i knew i was out in california for two weeks filming this tv show and so i came out geez like a couple three weeks ago now and apparently it went well they they called me up and said yeah you did a good job and if we have anything else we'll let you know but it was, it was a cool experience and you know it's just another one of those things where you never expected it to happen and i was on tv and everyone seemed to like it so i don't know so did you have any did you have any acting aspirations before that zero none so i it was a little <laughs> out of the blue it's it's funny they wanted bernsey to do it but they filmed it right when camp started so right at the end of september and that's kind of right when camp gets rolling preseason. So he, he had to turn it down, and then they must have just thought of me next. So it was uh, kind of lucky, but it, it, it was fun. I, I got to apologize. I, have, I haven't seen the episode. Was there a lot of on-ice filming for that, or were you mostly doing off-ice stuff? No, it, there was uh, – I, I play a hockey player who gets into a little trouble, and they I have to hire SWAT to kind of follow me around to protect me. And – in the show, yeah, we do an on-ice scene. So there was one whole day where we spent on the ice. It was like 12 hours on the ice, and it was brutal. But, uh, you know, it turned out pretty cool. Just tiring or repetitive or what? Just like your feet start to ache, you're standing around, you're waiting, and you, you have your gear on because you have to be ready. They're moving lights around, trying to get everything ready. Then I'm like, okay, go, go, go. Then you have to go and, like, tie your skates up quickly and get out there. It's just like a... There's a lot of, like, sitting around and waiting. It's, like, I thought it was going to be exciting. and Like, oh, go, go, TV show. And then it's just like, this is super boring. Like, I, <laughs> I don't know how these guys do it all the time. Yeah, it's not as glamorous as, as people think when they got to set up a camera no. for a two-second shot, right? And then, <laughs> then move it again. Uh, so yeah. was the hockey, because I, I think f- sometimes we as Canadians, when we see a hockey movie, and, and I wish I could think of examples, but sometimes, well, it's not that realistic, right? And even other sports, people are like, well, that, that's not actually a football play. That wouldn't happen in, in hockey. Did you get a sense that the on-ice stuff, they tried to recreate what would actually happen, or did it just need to fit fit the script? Well, the, like the, the stuff where they show you, like just zooming around the ice and passing and scoring, that's complete BS. Like, they, <laughs> like most of the guys don't know how to skate. They just, they, they'll take one good shot that goes in and splice it into maybe one good pass here, but most of the time it's just a fumble, whatever, cluster, and no one knows what they're doing, but there was one scene where I had to hit the cop who was protecting me, and I had to really bury him into the boards, and I wanted it to look realistic, so he wanted to do the stunt, so he's like, okay, just, you know, hit me. And I hit him the first take and he said he saw stars and got concussed, and he's like, I can't do this anymore. So they had to get, like, a stunt double to play his part and stuff. So it was uh, that part was real, but everything else was kind of just fluff. Okay, so you can still throw the body check, even though you're, you're retired for... Well, uh, against, against the Hollywood star, it's pretty easy. Right, <laughs> yeah. right. They're, they're, they're not... Uh, they're they're not part of the hockey culture, I guess. It's it's no, what, what no, we would say. That was easy. John Scott joining us uh, tonight on, on Inside Sports. So he was in the TV show SWAT. So that uh, that's pretty cool. John, you know, it's funny to catch up with you now because a couple times in the past few months to have a little bit of fun on the show, I did a feature called Enforcers Week. So I had Darcy Hordachuk, Tony Twist. Uh, Brent Gogol from the old WHL days in the late 70s uh, on the show. And, and and we talked a little bit about that role and what's happening to it in hockey. Um, I mean, you were a guy, you had 544 penalty minutes in 286 games. Obviously, you're, you're, you're a big guy, so you know how to in, intimidate and what your job was out there. 
even through the course of your career, and you're you're a much more recent player than some of the other guys I talked to. How did that role change, and do you think it's going to get harder and harder for for those types of players to to be employed in the league? Well, I think they're they're not employed anymore. If if you look at the rosters, there's I don't think any team, maybe Ryan Reeves in Pittsburgh, he's the only one who really is a scary, scary fighter who's a heavyweight. I, I think I was the last like of the dinosaurs to go away. The, the role evolved throughout my career, where when I came in. Every team had someone who could throw him, and his job was to fight and protect his team. And you would go down the roster, every team had, like, Goddard, McIntyre, Bugard, like, every team, Kochi. Like, I, it just was a for-sure thing. You were going to fight or potentially have a fight. And then as my years went on, two, three, four, five, six, it went from, like, 30 teams at a guy, then it was 20, then it was 10, then it was, like, five. And that's why I kind of gravitated to where the tough guys went every year like there was always seemed to be the mass you know shift of the tough guys it went from like the west then it went to the east and it went back to the west and now i i think that role is gone you had to be able to keep up you gotta you know move your feet and be able to penalty kill and play more than just three four minutes a night and yeah i was lucky enough where i, I could kind of keep up a little bit but yeah nowadays it's it's a whole different ball game do you think that's good or bad for for hockey that 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 role is, like you said, basically basically disappeared? Has the game lost something? Has have star players lost some protection? You know, I I it's sad. I, I hope the role isn't gone. I hope it's just evolving now, where guys who are my size or my ilk, it's just going to take a little bit more time to get a little more skilled. Because, like when I was growing up and I knew I wanted to make the NHL, like people just told me, hey, you need to focus on this a lot. But if guys my size are not my, quite my size, 6'4", six, 6'5", six, they can focus on fighting, but, you know, spend some time doing, you know, footwork, work on your hands, work on, you know, stick handling. I never did too much of that once I, you know, had a sniff at the NHL. I focused on fighting quite a bit. So it's, uh, hopefully it comes back, but right now the teams are just going straight speed. That's the last team that won the Cup. You know, the Penguins, they didn't have anybody... So I hope it doesn't die. I think it's a part of the game that the fans love. I know every time there's a fight, no one's really sitting down. Everyone's watching the fight. So it's it's just one of those things where I think it'll come back. It's cyclical, it's cyclical excuse me, and uh, I don't think you can get rid of it fully. Well, it's interesting. The Oilers lost the game 5 nothing to Buffalo on Tuesday. They played terrible. It was 5 nothing after the th- second period. And the third period, John, was the equivalent of a 20-minute kneel down in football. Uh, you know, and it used to be that would be where the team that was behind would at least try to, to stir something up. Right. But, th- but then you had a nice, intense game last night against the Flames. The Oilers fought back. Cassian uh, got in that fight. You know, Backlund went after McDavid a couple times. Uh, Brandon Davidson laid a big hit for the Oilers against Matt Stajan of of the Flames. So, you know, there, and I, I always say when I watch a game, and I'm in the media now, so I don't have the same type of emotional reaction as a fan, I never leave a game necessarily saying I wish I would have seen a fight, but I do leave a lot of games, John, wishing that I would have seen more body checks or a little more intensity and hatred. Yeah, and 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 that's what hockey is. Like, it's, it's a competitive sport, and if you just put 12, forward line, 12 forwards and six defensemen are all skill and just out there to kind of make pretty plays. It kind of, like, it's not entertaining. Like, this is Canada's game. It's, you know, if you're in Edmonton, you want to see hits. You want to see guys throwing the body around. That's what Edmonton has had on every single team. When I was playing them, like, it was just 
guys who would throw the body around and sacrifice and, you know, do the dirty things that you need to do to win games. And, yeah, fans love that. I love that. I love watching the guy try to line someone up and bury somebody. I, I, love, I love that stuff. And it's sad that it's going out because, yeah, the fourth line now is, you know, a penalty killer. you got to have a guy who's, like, kind of a, a playmaker. It's just, uh, I don't know. I don't like it, but maybe the casual fan likes it because they don't really care for the little things that maybe me and you can pick up a little bit more. So, yeah. I don't know. John Scott joining us on Inside Sports. Okay, so it's a couple of years since you had that incredible uh, all-star weekend in, in Nashville. I'm sure people remember the circumstances. There was the whole push through social media to get you into the game. Some people thought it was cool. Some people didn't like it. W- was that difficult for you to get that attention at the time? Yeah, I, it, it was weird. It's like you're getting attention for being kind of bad at your job. That's what people were kind of voting me in because I was a uh, you know, the obvious, not very good at hockey, tough guy kind of persona. So that's why I was voted in. And it stunk. I was like, you know, I don't really want this kind of attention. But once you have it, you kind of make the best of it. And I said, you know, whatever. The fans obviously kind of like me, so let's just go with it. And I kind of had some fun with it and just kind of blocked out the negative side, focused on the positive, And it ended up, <laughs> it turned out okay. Well, it absolutely turned out okay, and I, and I played a couple highlights there. I know you, I know you got two goals. You, you didn't score on that one highlight I played. Was, was that a real body check on Patrick Kane, or did or did he go down a little easy? <laughs> no, I, I hit him like cause he was trying to dance around me, and I don't want to be you know embarrassed like oh you know he shouldn't be out here. I could just hear Milbury like just licking his chops like this guy's a bum. Like look at Kane walked around him so. I, like, didn't want to have that happen, and Kaner tried to step inside me, and so I, you know, throw through the shoulder into him a little bit, and the fans loved it. And then, sure enough, like, I had the breakaway, he had a breakaway, he scored, then we fought. And, like, everyone, like, that's one of those moments everyone always brings up to me. You fought Kaner in the game. It was great. I loved it. So, no, I, I tried to hit him. I didn't want to be embarrassed on national TV. You, uh, you, you obviously you got voted the uh, the MVP, and I, I, like I said, I was watching the highlights, and you, when you got that one goal, Burns just gave you uh, a big bear hug. So it seems like once you got there, there was none of that like, oh, you took my buddy's spot away, or there's a guy with 45 points at, at home. It seemed like they, they really welcomed you and went with the spirit of it. Yeah, and that's the thing with the the hockey community. Those guys, they, they get what I do, and they get what guys like I do do for them like I bust my chops I get punched in the face I do the dirty stuff for them day in and day out and they respect that so to have someone like me you know have a chance to go to the all-star game and to prove that hey we're not just meatheads who go out there and like punch each other in the face all the time we actually can play a little hockey so all the guys loved it they were like this is great you know do your thing we know you're a good hockey player and let's just have some fun so it worked out good John, this was great to catch up with you. I mean, you're a great uh, representative of the game, obviously, and it's cool. You, you got to do the, the be in the SWAT TV show. I actually got a couple people texting in saying they, they saw the episode and they enjoyed it, so that's pretty cool. Let oh, people know uh, where you are now and, and what else you're up to in your life. Uh, Traverse City, Michigan, my wife's hometown. We kind of settled down here. We just had another kid five months ago, so that's five now. Another girl, five girls. Uh so I pretty much just chased them around. I did a book, buy my book, a guy like me fighting to make the cut. It's pretty good. I, I liked it. <laughs> so that's about it. I do, see, you know, hockey appearances here and there in Canada. I do some little speaking engagements when I get some time. So, yeah, just trying to keep busy but also 
stay at home with the kids. Well, it sounds like you're enjoying life, and, and thanks for coming off last night and uh, sharing some memories and letting people catch up with you. I, I hope we can do this again, John. I really enjoyed our conversation. Yeah, Reed, that was fun, man. Thank you. That is John Scott checking in tonight, doing some acting, 2016 NHL All-Star Game MVP, and I guess uh, sort of an extension of the Enforcers Week we had last week. Inside Sports on 630 Chat. We're coming right back. This is Mike Riley from your Edmonton Eskimos, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chet. Tiger Woods has made the cut in a PGA tournament for the first time in 29 months. That was a grind. I, I fought hard. Um, typical, you know, just me going out there and fighting for whatever I can get, and it felt good. Four birdies on the back nine for Woods made the cut on the number one under par. Ryan Palmer leads the Farmers Insurance Open at 11 under par. Some Canadians getting through to the weekend. Corey Connors, Benjamin Silverman, both four under. Adam Hadwin, three under. And Nick Taylor, same score as Tiger Woods. He had a, uh, a one under par. NBA uh, action tonight. We got the Raptors hosting Utah. And, uh, well, the score just disappeared off my screen. Hang on a second, guys. Sorry about that. Uh, Jazz leading the Raptors 80-79 with seven and a half minutes left in the fourth quarter. Edmonton Oil Kings are in Saskatoon, and the Blades lead this one 3-0 with eight minutes left in the second period. Inside Sports on Oilers and Eskimos Radio 630. Chad, we will broadcast the NHL All-Star Game 1.30 Sunday afternoon. Connor McDavid leading the Pacific Division against the Central Division. Then the Metro plays the Atlantic, and then the two winners will play to be the All-Star champs. Great to catch up with John Scott. Interesting guy and shared some cool memories of spending some early years in Edmonton in the 1980s and then being the hero of the All-Star Weekend in Nashville a couple of years ago. This year's All-Star Weekend in Tampa. Matt Salmon is the director of broadcast for the Tampa Bay Lightning. He will set the scene for us. And, of course, we'll talk a little bit about the Bolts, who are looking like the Stanley Cup favorite when we come out of the All-Star break. Back after the news. Thanks for tuning in tonight. Hopkins from your Edmonton Oilers. You're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 630 Chad. Well, happy Friday, everybody. Going to be a snowy weekend, but hope you're able to do something enjoyable. Speaking of which, did you see when Cassian was ejected yesterday? He was telling the ref to go find a way to enjoy himself. (laughs) (laughs) Rule number one of televised hockey, don't read lips. Do not read lips. Well, do read lips. Just don't talk that way in public necessarily. Yeah, okay, sure. (laughs) The, uh, The McDavid 
well, I don't want to call it an outburst, but the demonstration after the shootout goal, Kelly Rudy was on earlier, said he found it, uh, found it funny more than anything. You know, I, I just, it's been such a tough season for the Oilers. Whenever they do something well for a short period of time, then it, it tends to go really bad. Though, I mean, they have won four of their last five. The one loss in there was an absolute horror show against the Buffalo Sabres. That, that was a tough game last night against Calgary. I mean, obviously they were coming off the disaster against Buffalo. Adam Larson, because of a, a personal issue, was was unable to play. So you had Ovito coming into the lineup. Davidson played for just the third time in his last 12 games. They lose Cassian. He's, he's kicked out of the game, so they're down to 10 forwards for the third period. they got to fight back from 2 nothing down. They're shorthanded four times. They actually killed off four penalties, which has been unheard of on home ice this season. And then they score in overtime, think they win. Video review calls it off. So they're agitated about that. Talbot makes... Uh, three three big saves really in overtime. I mean, he stopped Goudreau. Then uh, Jankowski got in alone, and Brody had a chance right at the end of the game, and Talbot was able to poke it away, and, and then they're able to win in the shootout. I hope that's the type... Now, the problem is they're off for a week. I, I would love after a game like that if they played tomorrow because sometimes there are games that help you get back on track a little bit or maybe build the team's resolve to some extent. And I thought that that was that type of game. You're playing your your rival. There was a lot of energy in the building. There was some physicality. You know, I mentioned the Oilers had to fight back from a two nothing deficit, and then Calgary still tied it once once Edmonton was ahead. So they then they had to make sure they didn't lose the lead. So they, I thought it was just a good. I mean, they were far from perfect. The first period was rough. Lucic had the bad uh, turnover. He had some rough moments again, though he did make a great play to set up Slepeshev in the third period. So that's the type of game where you can say, oh man, that may, maybe they they kicked it up a notch and and they carry that forward into future games. But they're not going to play until Thursday when they play Colorado, and then they get another weekend with no games next weekend. And then Tampa Bay's here uh, on Monday, February 5th. So an odd schedule for the Oilers. Then February will get really busy. I'm quite... Well, I don't think I'm being pessimistic about their playoff chances. I think I'm being realistic. I mean, that sports club stat site that I look at has them at 0.4%. That's the one that runs millions of simulations of the remainder of the season and tells you how, how each team is going to do. But... You know they got to they got to do the whole game by game thing. Uh, Talbot's looked a little better. I thought I thought he was good last night. I mean, sure, three goals against, but he made this, some saves at big times. If if the special teams ever come around, ever come around and are even average, because they they've actually been pretty good five on five. If the special teams can even even be average then you can at least say, okay, maybe. Maybe they'll at least stay alive, stay mathematically alive, or, or chip away at the gap so they still keep believing uh, that they can go on a little bit of run. I, I know when we did some open line on Wednesday after the Buffalo game, a couple of guys were said that said that they're sick of the players talking about being positive and, and having time left. They, they certainly don't have a lot of time left. Now, what the players say publicly maybe isn't what they believe, like they're not going to come out and say, oh, yeah, we're in dire straits because then, you know, I think fans would criticize them for sounding like they might be giving up. Um, but they, they don't have a lot of time left. And, and Mark Letestu said that in an interview even in November when they were, you know, 55, 60 games left, that there isn't a lot of time left if, if they keep 
letting the gap between themselves and the playoffs get larger. Um, you know, the players coming out and saying they got to stay positive. I, I don't have a problem with that. I mean, I, I, again, the other side of it, if they came out and just lost their marbles, then, you know, people could say, oh, well, look, they're out of control. They, you know, they don't believe in themselves. But at least last night, the, the game forced them to get a little angry, to be resilient, and to act a little ticked off. Because I think they need to play with a little more of a, a chip on their shoulder. I, I, I think they need to play a little bit more like, okay, we're being written off. We didn't get the breaks on a couple calls. And honestly, over the whole season, the breaks are probably even. I mean, there's these two video reviews that has made everybody mad. Though I think that's more of a the way the rules are written as opposed to a misinterpretation of the rules. So that's what has to change there. So, but still, maybe it's the kind of thing that hopefully can be a bit of an inspiration or a bit of a situation where they can say, you know what, just screw this, screw everybody. We're going to go out and we're going to play aggressive and with a little bit of fury and we're not going to fold when things get tough. And if calls go against us, well, too bad. We'll deal with it and we'll stuff it in everybody's face. And that's r- really what McDavid was doing with the play, w- with the uh, animation after after he got the shootout goal, skating back to the bench and looking to the refs and saying, go upstairs, go upstairs on that one. Okay, he gets the misconduct. It didn't hurt the team, doesn't get him kicked out of the game, doesn't take the goal off the board, doesn't put them shorthanded. But maybe that's the type of thing where the, te- the teammates can look at that and say, you know, he's such an always quiet, you know, level-headed type of guy. Well, there's a little bit of passion from the captain in front of everybody, from the star player. Maybe that can get everybody fired up a little bit better. It's too bad we got to wait a week to see whether or not that actually happens. Colorado Avalanche will be the next opponent for the Oilers. I want to remind you that some guests on Inside Sports get gift certificates to Northern Chicken. Enjoy a cold craft beer or a great glass of bourbon with modern soul food and other tasty treats at Northern Chicken, 10704 124th Street. So, all-star game coming up on the weekend. Tampa hosting Matt Salmon, our buddy from the Lightning Radio Network. He's coming up next, Inside Sports on 630 Chet. This is Cam Talbot from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 630 Chet. All right, we want to get to Matt Salmon from Tampa here, but i got a minute for Rob, who's called in on the open line. Go ahead, Rob. Yeah, hi. Uh, maybe somebody said this before, but I think uh, that if you want to beat the Oilers, all you got to do is don't wake them up. Don't, don't hit them. Just play a quiet skill game. But as soon as somebody starts physically attacking them, that's when they all of a sudden come to light because that's the way they're built, big and strong. So that's kind of what I noticed. But maybe I'm wrong. No, I've I think there's wrong before. No, I, I I think there's something to that, Rob, because clearly Shirelli changed the makeup of the team, and the Oilers have they've like they used to be hopeless in physical games, like three years ago, right? They would yeah. be hopeless yeah. in a physical game. I don't think you can say that anymore, but but yeah, sometimes if it's a if it's a quieter game, 
they, they don't, you know, the other team just sort of uh, just says, okay, we'll just uh, sort of quietly come in here, get a couple power play goals and not push you around, and away we go with our two points. Yeah, I mean, the Oilers, what I liked yesterday is they, they responded when they got down 2 nothing, as opposed to being passive about it. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. The other, the other comment, uh, you know, I mean, last year, yeah, they did great in the playoffs and yada, yada, yada. But, uh, um, you know, all those hockey players, they're all hockey fans, too. They hear what the news says, oh, that the Oilers are going to be uh, cup uh, potential in 2018. And, and so they're all bringing their A game because they think they're going to beat the next uh, Stanley Cup champion. And so, I mean, that's what they, they faced right from the beginning of the year, where the Oilers were probably thinking, oh, yeah, it's just the regular season. But now, when, whenever another team plays, like Buffalo uh, is, a, is a point in uh, case in point, where, mm-hmm. you know, they're the bottom of the league, but they elevate their game because they know if they beat this, this gives them a pretty good uh, uh, measuring line. And so... I think that Oilers have seen a lot of A games from teams that don't normally bring that, but because the media has pegged them as Stanley Cup potentials, well, I think that's, you know, and uh, well, Lucic definitely Lucic. more than one thing, but I think that that's something that I haven't heard anybody mention anything about that. and. Well, no, we've we've talked about the expectations for sure, and Lucic basically said they they took Buffalo lightly, and that was that was pretty inexcusable but, in but my that's mind. That's not what I said. That what I said is is that other teams. No, I I, I, I get said, it, but right? I also I, I get that, but I also think the Oilers thought they were better than they were, and they that that too. I think they believed some of their own hype. Yeah, yeah. Thanks, Rob. But one thing for sure is they're not as good as they were last year, but they're surely not as bad as they are this year. Well, we probably won't know till next year at this point. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Rob. All right, quick preview of the NHL All-Star Game. Let's go to Tampa and welcome Matt Salmon to the show from the Lightning Broadcast booth. Matt, how are you doing? I am uh, sitting outdoors uh, getting ready for the NHL All-Star festivities to start here in Tampa. Slightly warmer than Edmonton, but I'm doing all right. Yeah, I'm sure it's slightly warmer than Edmonton. <laughs> Did you check the weather here today, buddy? <laughs> I, I did not. I just know it is a tad bit cooler than here. But please show me it. Yeah, it's bad today, and there's lots of snow, so we're getting both the cold and the snow. <laughs> but uh, that's life. Hey, before we get into the hockey stuff, uh, are you still celebrating the Alabama National Football Championship? You must have been going nuts during oh, yeah. that game. <laughs> uh, yeah, it, it, I was going nuts for all the wrong reasons in the first half, but. Uh, once the second half came around, they magically opened up the playbook. It, uh, it was all different, but it was funny, Reed. I actually went to uh, talk to Lewis about a week later to work with the University of Alabama's hockey team, and uh, obviously the, the town was still jumping uh, over that game several days later. So, yeah, we'll be happy until the next one comes around. Okay, so th- what can you tell me about the University of Alabama hockey team? Like, <laughs> what? What's that vibe like compared to being a football player? <laughs> yeah, did, did I throw you a curve there? Uh, yeah, the uh, University of Alabama, they have, it's, it's a step above a club hockey team. It's, uh, it is Division One, but it's kind of like third tier. But uh, that division that they're in plays against teams that have uh, typically football-heavy schools, you know, like Oklahoma and Auburn. 
Uh, but, you know, they do schedule dates against, uh, you know, Canisius College in Buffalo, some other schools. Not quite a Michigan or a Notre Dame or a Boston College quite atmosphere, but, uh, you know, they play in a smaller barn, so uh, with a smaller crowd, it gets pretty loud there. But uh, I had a very good time, and it's good to see the game growing in places where you would least expect it. So, uh, you know, nobody expects it in, in Birmingham or Tuscaloosa, but uh, it's there, it's hockey, and if you're a fan, you'll love it at any stage. Well, the Oilers goaltender, Cam Talbot, went to Alabama Huntsville, So, but that's that's separate than what you're talking about, right? Yeah, yeah, that that's a... That's a different school. Alabama Huntsville's had a program actually for a long time. But uh, you'd be interested in this. I know fans at Edmonton would too, at least I would think so. But Alabama's leading goal scorer is Taylor Hall. That's the son of one, or uh, uh, Taylor Joseph, excuse me, not Taylor Hall. Uh, Taylor Joseph is the leading goal scorer for the University of Alabama. He's the son of one Curtis Joseph, who uh, certainly has some ties up there. So, uh, like I said, it's amazing how areas that you would least expect it, whether it's Taylor Hall or Taylor Joseph. So is it was it mostly Canadians on that Alabama team, or do they have a lot of Americans too? Uh, you know what, it's kind of split 50-50. You've got Canadians, but you also have, uh, you know, and I would say the other 50% are Americans from your traditional areas, you know, New York and Michigan and Ohio and, and Massachusetts. But you also have, uh, if I recall correctly, there was somebody from, uh, Texas. There's somebody from uh, Long Beach, California. So much like the game has grown in the States over the last 25 or 30 years in particular, uh, you know, you're getting young hockey players, like I said, maybe they're not good enough for a Michigan or a Boston College or one of these, you know, Tier 1 programs, but they can be a star to, at a program like Alabama. Cool. Well, that's interesting to know for sure. Matt Salmon joining us from the Lightning Radio Network. And, of course, Tampa having a great season and getting set to host the All-Star Weekend. you got the skills tomorrow and then uh, the three-on-three games coming up on Sunday. It must be a pretty cool time uh, to be covering the Lightning, not just because of the All-Star game, but they're uh, a legitimate, obviously, Stanley Cup contender. Yeah, certainly uh, the hot start, uh, while there have been a few moments where it's cold off, uh, this team has been able to rally from, from every downturn that they've had. Their longest losing streak has been three games, and they just rebounded from that with a three-game win streak heading into the All-Star break. Uh, despite some injuries, players have stepped up, and uh, you know it'll be interesting to see how this team does over the next few weeks because the schedule is weird. they got a lot of games on the road, a lot of games out in the West Coast, but also... Uh, a lot of time off in between games, including this All-Star break. So I think if they can get through the next three to four weeks relatively unscathed, he will be keep everybody else healthy. We both think they're having an Andre Pallott out. But keep everybody else healthy. And uh, then things get really interesting with the trade deadline, the division games in March and April. Uh, and then we just see where they match up going into the postseason. Here's a tough question for you, Matt. Who's the Lightning MVP so far this season? I think without a doubt it's Andre Vasilevsky. Uh, I know that uh, some people will say Nikita Kucherov. Uh, others will say Victor Hedman, too. But uh, I, I think Andre Vasilevsky has kept this team in some games that they should not have won, plain and simple. And I, I think uh, a great example is the game in Chicago this past Monday night. Uh, and Jeff Glass was equally uh, up to the task at the other end of the ice. But... Uh, there easily could have been that could have been a six-five game. I don't know who would have gotten the six and who would have gotten the five, but it was that wide open and that fast pace 
yet Bazzi was able to hold down the fort until the line he could get on the board late in the second. That is one of, I'd say, probably 12 or 13 games he's played this year where he's been able to keep things under control, especially in the first period. The Lightning, for whatever reason, are a notorious slow-starting team. And uh, he's been able to keep the team in the game early on. And like I said, I would say probably 12 of those games and equally 10 to 11 wins that the Lightning have chalked up so far this season uh, are due to Andre Vasilevsky and his play so far. Matt, give me a sense of, of the vibe around this weekend. D- does it help that the Lightning are having such a great weekend to sell the All-Star game, or do you think it was an event that was going to catch a lot of people's attention anyway? I think it was going to catch a lot of people's attention anyway because the NHL, under Steve Mayer, who's been in charge of events like the All-Star weekend, but also the outdoor games and uh, larger events like that, uh, they've really embraced the culture and everything that a host city brings to the table. So he came in right before the game in Nashville, the All-Star game. Uh, and you've seen All-Star Weekend blow up in Nashville and Los Angeles. And I predict it will here, although there's a good chance of rain on Sunday. So that may put a little damper on some of the festivities. But I don't know if your listeners can hear me, but I'm sitting at an outdoor cafe. And right across the street from me is uh, Curtis Dixon Park, where there's going to be a free concert tonight. Bits in the chat rooms will be playing. And uh, you can probably hear the background uh, or music in the background and, and the buzz from everybody that's out here. Uh, so everyone's looking forward to it. The weather's perfect for two of the three days. And, of course, when you get all the stars uh, from the NHL coming in here, I mean, you see them in the opponent's, uh, you know, sweaters and, and you have the other end of the ice, but with a three-on-three tournament and, you know, mixing and matching line combinations uh, with that tournament, uh, that gives it a little more added excitement. I think a lot of people are really curious to see how it plays out here. Uh, but it does, uh, to add to your point, it does help that the team is doing so well because the fans here are pretty happy to begin with. And, oh, by the way, there's an all-star game as well, uh, which people will hang their hats on, too. Right on, Matt. Thanks for setting the scene for us. And, of course, Connor McDavid from your Edmonton Oilers in Tampa for the All-Star Game. We'll broadcast it on 6.30, Chet, at 1.30 Sunday afternoon. Thanks to all our guests tonight. Besides Matt Hammond, uh, Matt Salmon, you heard from John Scott, Anthony Pisani with the 25th Annual Stan Ganter Hockey Tournament, Megan Augusta from the Canadian Women's Olympic Hockey Team. She checked in from South Korea, and Kelly Rudy was on the show as well. Thanks to our producer, Dave Campbell. And our studio producer, the one and only Kellen Kennedy. Edmonton Oil Kings down 4-0 after 2 in Saskatoon. Raptors lose 97-93 to the Utah Jazz. I'll be back Monday at 6 with another edition of Inside Sports. My name is Reed Wilkins. Thank you so much for listening tonight. Hope you have a great weekend. Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad.